Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I have a, uh, I have a crush on this church. I do. I, I do. I, I, this is my third, to- third thing to be at. I was here in the spring doing a parenting conference earlier. I didn't get to experience the weekend. I mean, this church is amazing. You, your pastor, nobody stands at the front of a door at a church this size and greets people like that. I've never seen it ever. Okay? You, you have a, uh, a shepherd leader who loves loves and this is great great congregation i also um i love music i love the fact that you've bought a drummer a house uh and that's that's very very sweet i the problem though i love music but there's a group of people in here and you're going to be called out today because you're my people um you're the people who really like music you like to sing um you're just not good and uh and but it even gets to be smaller it's not that you're just not good you actually can't clap and sing at the same time, all right? Now, you're laughing at us, but you will see there's a few of us in here, and you all come to worship, you don't even think about it. We come to worship kind of stressed out, because we're like, okay, do I choose? Which one am I going to do? Am I going to clap? Am I going to clap or sing? Because if I do both, I just throw the whole harmony off. So raise your hand if you're part of my club. It's only a few. It's only a few. Oh, some ladies are part of that, too. Well... Family, leave these people alone. Don't look at them weird. Don't make fun of them. They love Jesus. We just can't participate the, the same way. We don't have the hearing for it. When we would watch television in our house, American Idol or something like that, I would go, oh, she's really good. My daughter would go, Dad, no, she's not. <laughs> you just think because she has a pretty smile that she's good. She's just, she's not good. Okay. But even though I know my limitations, I still have, um, I have desires. I, I don't want to be the main singer. I just want to be the backup singer. That's it. That's all I want to do. I want to hold a mic, sing in the backup. You know, a lot of people fantasize about being Bono. I don't want to be Bono. I want to be Bono's backup. Okay? Any Kiss fans from the 70s? Yeah, I want to rock and roll all night. I want to party every day, which was a 16th century hymn. No, just kidding. Uh, it, I, I don't want to be the, I just want to be the backup as long as I get to wear the face paint, all right? So let me ask you a question, because some of you are like, okay, I heard he's from California, and that's where the, you know, fruit and nuts start, and then they kind of make their way out to Texas. It's like sin starts in Southern California, and you guys discover it a couple years later. Uh, but where am I going with this? What is the role, what is the role of a backup singer? Talk to me. And don't say... Back up. Okay, that was, that was last service. Not a, not a bright first service. All right, I just, even the extra hour. Not real sharp people. But, uh, so, what, what is the role of a backup singer? Support. Okay, support. To make, to make the main singer sound better. I am inviting all of you today, I'm inviting all of you to become backup singers to the most important duet in our culture, and that's called marriage. You see, on Tuesday, we're going to go to the polls, and we think we're going to change 
culture. That's not what changes culture. What changes culture is what's happening in this house right now. Okay? See, when a, when a faith community supports marriage and you change a marriage in this room, what happens is you actually change the Austin community. When you change the Austin community, you can change Texas. And everybody knows when you change Texas, you change the world, right? Because, you know, it, 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 it is sick. So I'm, in, I'm inviting you to be a, a back. I just think I'm on this crusade to get faith communities to just become backup singers to the marriages that they already have. And some people say, well, you know, if we just teach the Bible every week, and if people grow spiritually, they're going to have better marriages. Okay, churchy churchmeyer, that's not true. <laughs> I, 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 I talked to a guy after the first service. Biggest Bible I've ever seen. Okay, there's a big Bible in that guy's hand. And was struggling. Was struggling. See, because when your marriage isn't doing good, you don't wake up in the morning and go, Good morning, God. Zippity doo da, zippity doo. You know, I want to have a quiet time with Jesus. He's waiting for me with tea and crumpets and let's fellowship. No, when you have a bad marriage and you wake up in the morning, it affects everything. It affects your parenting. See, uh, moms, you can't teach little Billy about grace if you're not showing little Billy's dad some grace. And dads, you can't teach your daughter about forgiveness if you're holding grudges against your wife. See, at its core, marriage is a discipleship issue. When the primary relationship of male and female isn't working, not much else is working. Now, I'm a visitor, but I know something about you. I know there's some couples here that your marriage is, is not doing well. And today may sting for a little bit, and I'm sorry about that. And I know also there's some people in here, your marriage is doing well. And as a matter of fact, it hasn't always been well, that you've learned some, some messages and some lessons along the way that have helped you have a healthier marriage, that actually you could help the people in the rows next to you. You see, you are the first line of defense. This is, I think, one of the best pastoral leadership teams I've ever seen in the country, okay? And I'm, I'm glad you recognize that, but they can't meet everybody's needs here. Yeah, they can't. You are the first line of defense. That some of you in here, you have some answers that the people sitting next to you are, are looking for. And you can become a backup singer to that powerful duet. And by the way, um, when I say a backup singer, everybody in here can play. Everybody can sing. Those of you who are young, you can be a backup singer to marriage. Those of you who are single, you can be a backup singer. And I know, <laughs> there, I see a lot of younger people in this service and you're single and you're probably thinking, uh, of all days to go to church, like (laughs) I should have taken that extra hour and slept in even more. Okay. I'd rather be at Chuck E. Cheese with a gaggle of five-year-olds hopped up on crack than be here today. If you are single, let me just say this, please don't check out 
because statistics are real good, like 90% of you will get married. And if you are married, (laughs) don't check out, okay? (laughs) Because statistics are real good that your marriage won't be healthy, okay? That's just statistics, all right? So let's talk about what what are the songs that I'm asking you to be a backup singer for? Here's the first song I want you to sing, is that marriage needs to be honored by all. I want to challenge you to sing this song. What I mean by marriage is honored by all is that you would hold up marriage as a good thing. That you would talk highly about marriage. I live in Southern California. I'm on a pastoral team. And I was sitting with a guy from my small group. at our. We have a little cafe at our church. And there was two ladies from our church sitting behind me. And I was doing what all good Christians do. I was eavesdropping uh, on their conversation while I was pretending to listen to my buddy. And... Uh, they were, they were talking about their marriage, and they weren't talking highly about their marriage. As a matter of fact, one lady said to this other lady, she says, Oh, I know you've been through so much this year. Your husband will never change. Oh, yeah, as one of the pastors, you know what I wanted to do? Punch her in the neck. All right? I, I didn't. I'm just saying I wanted to. I don't do a lot of things that I want to do, but that was, that was one of them. Because I'm thinking, hey, you're a follower of Jesus. You can't believe that he will never change. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So what we also then believe is that he puts new life into dead things. Right? So we actually believe that an idiotic, selfish husband can change. We also believe that a nagging, constant drip of a nagging wife can change. That's what we believe in. And so because we believe in that, we have to honor, we honor marriage. In, in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the author ends the entire book in the 13th chapter by basically, I mean, read chapter 13. It's like he throws in the kitchen. like if you've missed the first 12 chapters, here's what I want you to really, really hang on to. And he says this in verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. So this isn't my idea. I just stole it from the Bible. Okay? That marriage needs to be... See, he's saying in this 13th chapter, really, all the things that you do as a church family. He's saying, I want you to love one another. I want you to be hospitable. Hospitable? Hospitable? Sorry, I rented these lips. They're due at 12. Uh, He wants to care for those who are suffering to follow God's teaching, all the things that you already do as a church. And he says, and I want you to honor marriage. That's what I'm asking you, just to be a backup singer to honor marriage, meaning that you become a marriage advocate, that you lift it up as God's design, that you promote it as a beautiful and valuable thing. And when I use the word honor, here's the definition of honor. Look to the, look to the screen. Honor means... To esteem it as highly valuable. To esteem marriage as highly valuable. See, there's a millennial generation, the younger generation, that actually, they're living in tension right now because they're scared of marriage, and yet they want a different marriage than they saw in their parents. 
Okay? They're, really, they're actually very, very scared by it, but they want a, a different marriage. And what they need to understand is that marriage is God's design, and it can be great. I like to, Anytime I get the chance to talk to singles, I say, you know, marriage is God's design. It's for you. Sex was God's invention. It was his idea, <laughs> which is where we got the term praise God from. Uh, right, right there. And in my church, I don't know what you're like here. In my church in Southern California, I tell all these single guys, would you quit asking out girls over Facebook? Quit texting. Like, use your voice. Okay? There, there's like an older generation that if they liked a, you know, an older generation than me, if they, they liked a girl or a woman or thought they were pretty, they'd go up and like ask her out. No fear. Why? Because they survived world wars. All right? I mean, they, 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 like, they like lived in a jungle for a week with a, a rock and a chest hair. And they, I can, I can do this. But the younger generation is, yeah, come on. I tell my kids, all my kids are in their 20s. And I call them the bike helmet generation. You know what that means? How many of you, you, you rode a bike, but you didn't wear a helmet? Let me see. Yeah. These are the real Americans, right? Because <laughs> when we fell off our bike, we suffered brain damage, right? <laughs> and, you know, my kids, I go, the toughest thing you've ever experienced is going on vacation without the Internet, <laughs> you know, for like, for like an hour, all right? And, and so what I'm saying to them and I'm saying to you that we honor marriage, we esteem it as valuable and beautiful and healthy. That you date, that you fall in love, and that you honor that love with God's design and, and marriage. And we make it a, a beautiful thing. But here's what the millennials say. Well, I, I, I got to wait till I'm an adult. All right. And when do you become an adult? I mean, let's be fair. When do you become an adult in our culture? According to Aspirin... You're no longer a child at what age? Twelve, right? And uh, to get a driver's license, you're how old? And to vote, and who doesn't want to vote this year, right? You're going to be 18. To buy alcohol, 21. To rent a vehicle, 25, right? Now, uh, to buy an airline ticket on United Airlines, you're no longer a child at the age of two, all right? So somewhere between two... And 25, you are an adult, all right? And then they'll say, no, I, you know, I'm an adult when I'm financially independent. <laughs> At which point, none of us are adults. Let's just be, let's, let's be honest, okay? So I realize there's some, some tension there or not. But the song that we sing is marriage needs to be honored by all. Okay? How many of you feel like you could sing that song? You can sing that. Yeah, you can just sing it. Now, watch this. Let's go from marriage out there to your marriage. Let me pivot. Those of you that are married, how are you honoring your marriage? What does it look like to honor your marriage? I do a lot of research on marriage and relationships, and as I'm writing books, um, I... I found this from the University of Georgia, published a a study in an academic journal on human relationships. It says, after interviewing married couples on relationship satisfaction, 
covering everything from communication habits to finances, they found that the most consistent, significant predictor of happy marriages was whether one's spouse expressed gratitude. What distinguishes the marriages that last from those that don't last is not how often they argue, but how they treat each other on a daily basis. The study goes on to show the power of the simple words, thank you, and suggests it as a small, practical way couples can strengthen their marriage. Isn't that fascinating? Okay. That it's not how often you argue. It's not even the amount of conflict. It's how you express gratitude, how you honor one another by, by saying thank you. I brought this study to my men's small group. And I, I said, what do you guys think? And one guy goes, I honor my wife, Valentine's Day, and her birthday. I'm like, way to go, Spanky. You got, you got two days. Two days covered. 363, and you're, you, know, you might have a marriage. All right? So it's not just honor we lift up marriage. You honor your own marriage. Okay? The second song I want you to sing is that marriage needs to be enjoyed. That's, that's God's message. Again, I stole it. <laughs> okay, it needs to be enjoyed. I mean, if you were to read Christian books now on marriage, there's this whole, this whole industry of people writing about how marriage is supposed to make you holy. That it's not about your happiness, it's about your holiness. That marriage is the relationship that in some ways grinds the life out of you uh, to make you holy. And I I appreciate that, but I want to say there's a balance to that. Marriage is not just about making you holy. I think marriage is about making you happy. Okay, That there is a part of marriage that is to be enjoyed. Again, I took that right from the scriptures. In the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, it says, Go eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Read the next few words with me. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Okay, no, hey, (laughs) meaningless actually from the Hebrew is the word fleeting, fleeting, F-L-E-E-T-I-N-G, meaning bam, it goes by quick. Enjoy life with your wife in the time that you have. The gentleman, you don't have to choose between do I have a life or do I have a wife. You can have both. Ladies, you can have a husband and a life. You can enjoy life with your spouse. God has not given you that person to grind you down, but to go through really the grind of life. I love being married. Those of you that were there yesterday got to meet my wife, Kathy. She flew home this morning uh, because we do a family thing on Sunday that she doesn't miss. Uh, But I brought a picture of her. We've been married for 32 years. Um, Oh, yeah. I am, obviously, I'm married way out of my league, okay? Uh, Reed, what's the term? I out... I outkicked my coverage. Yeah, that's a, a football analogy there. But how about this? Um, how many of you guys married out out of your league? Let me see. Right. 
Um, the response to this service has bothered me a little bit because um, I don't know how to say this. Uh, gentlemen, if you didn't just raise your hand, you're an idiot. All right, I just... Okay? That was like a, that was like a soft toss. That was like, you should have been like, boom, right there. Scored points. Boom. You had your opportunity and you blew it. All right? No, I, I, I'd rather be with Kathy more than anybody in the entire world. And I'm in her top seven, which uh, really, really makes me, really makes me happy. But here's the deal. One of the easiest ways to enjoy your marriage is to date one another. It's the easiest way to course correct a difficult marriage, a struggling marriage, to enjoy your marriage, is to do what you were doing when you fell in love. Remember when you fell in love? Is easy. Oh, he's, he's so, oh gosh, he's just, he is, he is so cute. And I just, I can't get off the door. You know, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. You know, it's, it's all of that, right? And then you stand and you, you say, I do, and you change, you know, ex- exchange vows, and then you cross into marriage and you don't, right? All that stuff, all the chasing that you did, you stop. And can I tell you that the easiest way to enjoy your marriage is to date your, your spouse. Okay? That um, now you go to a restaurant. What's the new normal? You see a husband and wife sitting there. If they're not on their phones, it's like they're enduring one another. They're listening to each other chew. Okay? What, what back over here was, was romance, they now have kind of a roommate situation. And it's no wonder millennials look at that and go, I don't, want, I don't want that. If that's marriage, I don't want it. You know, 33 years ago, when Kathy and I were going to premarital counseling, there's two pieces of advice our premarital counselor gave us that, that I remember. Uh, one, he said, Doug, sex starts in the morning. <laughs> I was like, awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was 22 years old. I'm thinking, that's beautiful. The set of March starts in the morning. I've heard about things in the afternoon. And then, you know, into the evening. I mean, that is, that is great. I'm going to love marriage. And then he went on to explain that it starts in the morning and how you treat her, which wasn't as exciting. And then the second thing he said, he said, you need to continue dating. And Kathy and I put a stake in the ground and said, that's going to be a part of our, of our marriage. And I'd say for 32 years, 48 of the 52 weeks, we've had a date where we don't talk about kids, we don't talk about finances, we don't talk about the calendar, we enjoy being together. Some of those dates have been at home when we couldn't afford dates out, we couldn't get babysitters. Other times they've been creative, other times they haven't. But we've put a stake in the ground because... We listened to the wisdom, and back then it was just intuition. You fast forward 32 years, now all of a sudden you have a culture where marriage is not lasting. Where I live in Southern California, in my community, the divorce rate is 70%. The divorce rate. That doesn't mean dead marriages that are staying together. Okay? That not just Christian space, but secular space is trying to figure out how do we help marriages. You could Google date night initiatives and you would find 
all kinds of help out there, but the University of Virginia, the National Marriage Project, has actual research. And the research says that couples who date will have healthier marriages. Suggests five benefits. One, keeps lines of communication open. Two, dating allows couples to shatter routines, get out of a rut. Three, dating models commitment to the children. Four, dating relieves stress, meaning it gives you something to look forward to. Five, dating rediscovers passion and sparks sexual intimacy. For some of you, that's the only reason you need, right? They're like, we're dating. Okay, we are, we are. Here's what happens, though. So without an intentional, without an intentional weekly date, here's what happens. A marriage begins to drift. And even if it gets off course one degree, one degree, one degree over a long period of time creates distance and will shipwreck a marriage. The quickest way to enjoy your marriage is to date in your marriage. That's a course correct. Okay? So what are the songs that we sing? Marriage needs to be honored by all and needs to be enjoyed. And when you enjoy your marriage, it's so much easier to actually honor marriage. The third song I want you to sing is that marriage needs to be prioritized. Now, I'll let you know this is going to bother some of you. Some of you are like, you liked me up until this point. Okay? You're not going to like me. And that's okay, because I'm jumping on a plane in a couple hours. Uh, is that, and the reason you won't like me is some of you have prioritized parenting over your marriage. And you've got the priorities wrong. Okay? Again, not, not Doug's advice. I stole it from the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, the one that actually Jesus quotes when he, in the New Testament, he talks about this. He's quoting Genesis chapter 2, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That word united is actually a word for intercourse, where two become one. They're united in God's eyes. They're no longer two, but they're, they're one. Men and women, those of you who are married, You are one flesh with your spouse. You're not one with your child. There is going to be a day when your child goes, bye-bye, bye-bye. And actually, those years are getting later. Kids are not moving out anymore because we have these kid-centered homes. We have kid-centered homes where now the kids, they don't want to move out, and the parents don't want them to, to leave anymore. See, to prioritize your marriage means to put your marriage above your parenting. Because there's going to be a day. I come to you from the future. There's going to be a day called empty nesting when it's just the two of you. Okay? And those empty nest years, we're into year four of empty nesting. They're awesome. They're great. But you know what? Kathy and I also planned for it, too. We knew those days were coming. And what's interesting, again, if you want to, you don't have to trust me on this, find it out, Google it. It's called the grain of divorce, gray, like gray hair, grain of divorce. That the divorce rate of those over 50 years old has gone way up. Just in 1990, this is from the researchers at Bowling Green, in 1990, fewer than one in 25 individuals were divorced 50 years or older. And just 25 years later, 
that number is 1 in 3.6. Okay, 1 in 3.6. Why? Because now that the kids are gone, there's no, there's no foundation. And people always ask, they go, you know, like a, uh, when they say, ask about empty nest years, they, I don't know why they always do this, but they'll say, so do you just like run around the house naked all the time? And if that's you, you're weird, all right, to, to ask that question. I didn't need to wait until my kids got out of the house for that, all right? I did it when they were little, and that way they don't bring over their friends. So it's just, it's very strategic, all right? So here's my question to you. My question is, Will there be a foundation for your marriage when the kids are gone? What are you prioritizing? Now, I know some of you are defensive right now because you're like, I love, I just love my, maybe, maybe, maybe I love my kids more than you love your kids, Doug. No, you don't. Okay, you can't, you can't prove that. And then, if you actually do love your kids, which I think you do, mom and dad, If you really love your kids, the greatest gift that you can give them is a healthy marriage. The greatest gift you can give them. That they see a mom and a dad who are talking and laughing and praying and playing together because moms and dads, too much hangs in the balance. In the journal for the Scientific Study of Religion, It says, children of divorced Christian parents are more than twice as likely to leave the church. Just five weeks ago in the Washington Post, the headline was, how decades of divorce have helped erode faith. Why? Well, 60% of children of divorce walk away from the church and faith. Why? Because... Mom and dad promoted God's love, but apparently God's love wasn't strong enough for them to actually love one another, and the hypocrisy is just too great. So why does this church that cares about loving one another and being hospitable and teaching God's word, why should we care about marriage? Because it's a discipleship issue. We care about the next generation. We care about people and kids walking in the ways of Jesus. And they are much more likely to do that when their parents stay together. And life is just better when you're in right relationships. See, I think if we were to just sit knee to knee, eye to eye, and just talk about that, you would say, that's what I want. See, I find, and statistics prove this to be true, most people in life want a good marriage. So what am I asking? I'm asking that you become a backup singer to the duets in this church. I'm asking for those of you that have learned lessons that you actually can meet some of the needs of the people that are next to you. Some of you in here, and Reed and I have talked about this, if you would like to be a marriage mentor, Reed would like to talk to you. Marriage mentor basically just means you would meet with another couple. Okay? And if you're a couple in here that wants to be met with, and you would like to meet with other people and just ask questions or you're struggling or you're newly married or something, talk to Reed about that. Because you as a body are the first line of defense. 
Okay? So I'm asking you to honor your marriage. And what I would say this way is that means to express gratitude daily. I'm asking you to enjoy your marriage, which means that you would date weekly. And that you would eradicate this kid-centered home and you would prioritize your marriage over your parenting. That you would go out and people, people are always like, well, what if my kids cry? That's okay. Duct tape. Okay? They just, you know parents invented duct tape. All right? No. They're actually going to get over it. And when they get a little older, they're actually going to thank you, mom and dad, for modeling to them what a marriage should be and look like. All right? So here's the softball question. Get ready to raise your hand. Okay, I'm just giving you, since you failed that last test. Um, how many of you, by show of hands, would say that marriage is worth 1% of your time? Just 1% of your time. Okay? All right. Yeah, that's the right answer. At least 1%. That's a pretty low bar. Well, if it's 1% of your time, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1,440 minutes, 1% is 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Let's round it up 15 minutes. Let's say 15 minutes a day, couples, knee to knee, eye to eye, honoring one another, expressing gratitude for one another, not talking about calendar, not talking about finances, not talking about the kids, okay? just honoring 15 minutes. And then 1% of your week, it's one hour and 40 minutes. That's 1% of your week, one hour and 40 minutes. There's your date. Whether it's away, whether it's home, again, no calendar, no kids talk, no finance talk, just enjoying one another. See, there's a lot of marriages in here that just need a little bit of course correction. And there's a lot of marriages around you that need you to become backup singers and cheer them on and support them. And not just go to weddings. We ought to celebrate weddings. We ought to give presents a year in, not just day of. We ought to come alongside them and ask them how they're doing. Pay for them to go to marriage conferences and counseling. Couples need help. And the answer is in the, in the house. Yes, sir. Okay? All right. It would be an honor for me to pray for you. If you're married, would you stand up and so we can pray together? And as we pray, be reminded that the power and the presence of Jesus can change a life can renew a marriage, can restore what was dead, can bring joy in the midst of sorrow. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the creation of marriage, and we esteem it as highly valuable. You created it, and we want to be people who cheer others on in their marriage, and we want to do it loud, and we want to do it often. So I pray for each couple standing today. We all need backup singers. And we need the prayers from this church family. And everyone standing has a a different story. They have unique needs. And I pray that as they leave here today, that as they they would depart with a, a greater hope because there is a faith family that cares for them and is cheering them on. I pray for these couples that you would breathe life into them. May they feel today and understand and see a very special future for their marriage. And we ask this 
in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Blessings to you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.